Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. And good evening, our fellow lovers of love out there. And we are here on this Christmas edition of Late Night Love. So we want to thank you for joining us tonight. And I left my drink in the other room. That was stupid. All right. So it's going to be a long, thirsty night for me. That's <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you're naughty. <laughs> We're worrying. For those of you who... Um... Only catch the audio. Uh, who, who only catch the audio, yeah. We're wearing um, Santa hats, and his says naughty, and mine says nice. Yeah, mine has to say naughty because I'm wearing a Darth Vader Christmas sweater. And you can't have a Darth Vader Christmas sweater and not wear a black naughty Santa hat. You have to. have Just have to. And you bought these, by the way, not me. Yes, yes. It's like the law, though. Okay. It's the, law. <laughs> <laughs> it's the law of nerddom. All right. So, so tonight we're going to have some discussions about, you know, some, some of the history of Christmas and, uh, and some little bits of information. We'll close that out with some uh, theoretical tips about how to make a Christmas dinner go better. Theoretical. Yes. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I went through them, pranced through and I'm not sure some of those are. Uh, necessarily making your day go better they're just making your christmas dinner take longer over days which i suppose maybe has its advantages but it takes days darling not the way i do it you have to plan you have to shop you have to prep not then the way you I do cook it. then you eat then you gotta clean up and get all the leftovers dispersed it's a process you have the people deliver it for the door, and then you have all paper plates, and you just throw everything away when you're done. No. That's that's the way to do it right there. Otherwise, it's too much work. And why do you want to work on a holiday? Unless you're getting paid double time. And then, of course. I get, I'm making Christmas dinner light this year. See? Light. It's going to be light. And, um, not the next day, late in the evening. We're going to eat late. and um, Yeah, but late, it's like 5.30 for, for you, eating late. No, I'm going to start cooking at 5.30. Oh. oh, so you're staying up late Christmas. Yeah, I'm staying up late Christmas. All righty then. So um, I, get, uh, I get a sense of satisfaction in creating... A special meal on a holiday. I do for my loved ones to enjoy. And I think about them as I'm cooking and I bake the love in. So there you go. I'm I'm not into food, so I don't get the whole food thing. But so as basic as basic. Yeah, you gotta be into food, dude. Yeah, so that's part Forget of. Forget this. I'm sorry. That's part of the part of the difference. So for those of you, you know, and for those who are like me, who can kind of take or leave food in particular, you eat because you're hungry, not necessarily because you 
And my and me being a foodie, my sister finds this, our our coupling absolutely hilarious. It doesn't bother either one of us. It doesn't. <laughs> no, we're fine. We just accept the other person. What do we care? I mean, yeah. are you asking me to not eat? I mean, do I ask you to eat the food I make all the time? No. No, but you did ask me to eat that that tomato that one time. That was our first, one of our first dates, and you did it. Well, I didn't actually eat it, by the way. And and I've never asked you since. All well, right. I've asked you, but I've never made you. Okay, so where are we going to start with our Christmas discussions? That was one of the very few times I was able to make you do something. And? It was early on. Soon to be changed by, uh-uh, I ain't doing it. <laughs> well, only when it comes to food. And it only works because most of the time I say yes. So, so on occasions when I have to say no, you accept it. So, all right. So, what are we starting? Are we starting with our Christmas facts here? Yeah, we're starting with Christmas facts. Okay. So, what do we got? Okay. Well, according to this article, this is very interesting. Christmas roots extend from pagan rituals. The Deus, Deus Sol Evictus, birthday of the Inconquerable Sun is every December 25th. What is it in the Kaladid? Is during January 1st to 5th. Anyway, the point is that those midwinter or beginning of winter, depending upon how you talk, this pen of it. It seems like every culture has it. Yeah, right around the winter solstice. Yeah. Somewhere around the winter solstice, there's a festival or, or something at right around the darkest of the days. You get together and you do something that lifts people's spirits. It, you know, when you think of it that way, it's not such a surprise. <laughs> you know, you've been locked up in the winter. It's cold. You don't get to get out. So, you, you know, you get together. You exchange some gifts. You lift some spirits. You, you know, you remind yourselves why you're going to go off and survive the next what, month and a half, six weeks, seven weeks, whatever it is. Because the next seven weeks are usually brutally cold and you know it's the grips and depths of winter so yeah yeah so it makes makes sense christmas is not a biblical holy day well it's not in the bible per se no it's 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 not a it's a shared holiday it's what it is i mean they talk about the wise men mm -hmm. well there's multiple stories of Christmas. Christians have their Christmas story. You know, some people celebrate Yule. I know have I know people who are off celebrating Yule. I have a number of friends. Yeah. Who celebrate Yule. They don't celebrate Christmas, but it's Chris, but you know, they, they don't you know, it's not like they don't celebrate Christmas. It's just kind of all wrapped up into one. And so that's it's part of the reasons why it's the holiday season, because so many cultures and and people have some form of holiday celebration or or observance during this time of year. It's just, you know, the way it is. St. Nicholas of Myra, a real person, inspired the character of Santa Claus. Oh, Christmas is story is in the New Testament, though, by the way. But it doesn't mean it's a biblical holiday. All right. 
Santa Claus image is an early picture of St. Nicholas next St. Nicholas's stern expression. So that's interesting. Huh? Yeah. Santa's. Oh, yeah. Santa's dress wasn't always in red. There we go. Oh, the, the red version is, is from a Coca-Cola marketing campaign is what they think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Santa Claus goes by lots of names. Pierre Noel in France. La Bafana in Italy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Chris Kringle in Germany. Dachka Moraz in Russia. So, and if you're watching me today, it's it's Santa Vader. So. Santa Vader, won't you deliver to me? Abe, so, Phaser said <laughs> it on stun. <laughs> a U.S. department store designed Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for promotional purposes. Oh. We missed one, by the way. Santa Claus would have to travel 650 miles per second to complete gift deliveries on Christmas Eve. Well, he's just got portal. How do you think he gets down a chimney? Portals. Portals. It's like I got it like a portal gun or something. All right. So the department store, so Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is a... Uh, Montgomery Ward. Yeah. To make children buy the coloring books. However, they did not make his, his nose red to make him, uh, to avoid making him look like a chronic alcoholic. Okay, then. Santa's reindeer are either female or castrated, is what they're saying. Mm hmm. Because most male reindeers shed their antlers around Christmas season. Yeah, but it just means that they're probably shed his antlers right after the trip. Because we know they're males, right? So they just haven't shedded their antlers yet. They're, these are reindeers that fly. Are we going to really apply normal? <laughs> They're magical. Yeah, we're really going to try to apply normal reindeer biology to reindeers that can fly. I Somehow I think that's a... Hey, Michael, how you doing? We have a... a yeah, why are we applying physics and stuff and... Nature to rangers that can fly. I don't understand. You're thinking about it too hard, people. All right. United uh, States declared Christmas an official holiday, June 26, 1870. So, so it's been a holiday for a long time in the United States. Alabama came first, um, making it in 1836. Oh, don't tell the people in California that. And they'll, they'll have another reason to hate Christmas. All right. Resident Puritans in America outlawed all Christmas observances from 1659 to 1681. It was a lewd, considered a lewd Catholic holiday. Which is funny, considering it's not really a, hol a religious holiday at all. Anyway, which is probably the real reason they were just blamed it on the Catholics. Eating mince pies on Christmas Day is illegal in England, or at least was. Dating back in the 17th century, Oliver Caldwell for, forbade anything related to gluttony. 
The law that still exists until today includes mince pies and Christmas pudding. Yeah, like, does anybody really pay attention to that law? Oslo in Norway donates to Lennon's iconic Christmas tree in Telfagur Square. Telfagur, oh man, I know how to pronounce that. Telfagur Square in London. So why does Norway, Oslo, sister city maybe? Maybe London's donate back. Maybe it's one of those. No, um, Londoners receive this as a yearly token of appreciation for the aid to Norwegians during World War II. Okay. Bicycle gave Christmas presents to World War II prisoners in Germany. So they gave them decks of cards, I would guess. All right. How many? There's a lot of these. So how many do we actually want to go through? All 50 states grow Christmas trees. There you go. Hawaii, even Hawaii and Alaska. Well, Alaska, of course. But even Hawaii grows has a Christmas tree farm, apparently. Which makes sense. If you're going to have Christmas trees in Hawaii, you really don't want to have to ship them with a boat. Yeah, you would think. They're kind of going to not be fresh, right? I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought about Christmas in Hawaii. Friday and Saturday before Christmas are the busiest shopping days of the year. Yeah. Where are you? I don't know. This thing, this website has gone haywire. haywire. Okay, I see where you are. Friday and Saturday before Christmas, all you last-minute people, what are you? I was done by the 15th. Well, it's called people who get paid weekly need that paycheck. You know, people get paid on Fridays. Just saying, maybe the bonus check that comes the week before. I start shopping in July. I don't even think about it until the week before. I think about it all year. Well, how am I supposed to know when I want to get somebody in December and July? I plan it out. I have themes, dude. No, no. This year it's candles. No. Well, I end up with a theme, but I only know that after I bought everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was clearly looking for fun and smiles this year. But that's what just would happen. But mostly. Mostly. Yeah. Okay. The oldest Christmas market in Europe is the Christ Kindles Mark in Nuremberg, Germany from 1570. Mm, okay. Yes, yeah, I don't know. My website has gone all wonky. Um, so I'm just going to skip around. We wish you a Merry Christmas was originally heard from servants demanding alcoholic drinks from their masters. We won't go until we get some. Hold on. So bring some out here. Don't ask me the things skipping around like well, wait for me. Bolivians have a tradition of celebrating Misa de Gallo on Christmas Eve. People attending the Midnight Mass or Mass of the Roosters bring roosters as a symbolism of their belief that in the rooster being the first animal announcer of Jesus' birth. So there you go. Roo so roosters and I've are a theme in Christmas in Bolivia. I've given up on that one. 
Uh, this doesn't work anymore. Okay, and then there's there's a mention about the Christmas pudding and how it's a family affair, and it's performed the last Sunday before Advent. They take turns in stirring the pudding mix and make a special wish for the coming year. I have never had Christmas pudding. I don't even know what that is. So. The three wise men have no precise origins. Yeah. Okay. That's anyway, that website's got on wonky and it's time to move on. Is it? Well, yeah. Oh. Yeah, we've gone way too long on one article anyway. Okay. All right. Well, the, there was a lot of interesting facts. Yeah, so you can find these on the website, lightninglove.us. Go there, click on the article, and try to get to the bottom of it yourself. I suggest, I don't know, using an ad blocker or something. Something's snagging up resources on that website. All right. What percentage of the world population celebrates Christmas, my love? Overall, an uh, estimated 45% of the world celebrates Christmas in some way or another. Now, around 31% of the global, global population follows Christianity, with 2.3 billion Christians total. And then there are millions more who celebrate Christmas, even though it's not their set religious belief. Yeah, the, all those who celebrate Christmas in some form or another, the secular, Christ, the secular Christmas celebrators, those who celebrate the pagan versions or some version of the pagan versions of the holiday. <laughs> it's again, we've talked about, you know, Santa Claus isn't a religious figure, even though, you know, it's was popularized by St. Nick. It's not uh, St. Nicholas. It's, he's not the only um, origin. It, it is like everything else with Christmas. It's uh, things are combined. Okay. So, okay. We have 11 facts about Christmas. All right. Okay, Christmas actually got off to a slow start. It wasn't until 336 A.D. that Roman bishops first recorded December 25th as Christ's birth. Yeah, so that's a slow start. You know, it was. It's a slow start. Yeah. Yeah, it was after. You know, oh God, I have to do the math. 1700 years ago, almost. That's you know, it's a slow start. That's a slow start. Yeah. Time to celebrate. Okay, more than 2 billion people in more than 160 countries celebrate Christmas as the most important holiday of the year. In in the United States, 9 in 10 people celebrate the holiday, even if they're not Christian. Yes, a third of people in the United States view it as a cultural holiday rather than a religious holiday, which is what it has become. It's a unifying thing rather than a isolation thing okay okay now take christmas is celebrated around the world take for example thailand they're um 90 buddhist and it's not a national holiday but um the, some do put out christmas decorations and santa is very popular and people do exchange gifts on december 25th yeah. So again, when people talk about it being a religious holiday, it is for those who it is. But for the rest of us, it's just a, a, a celebration of the winter thing. We've talked about just a few minutes ago. There's no place like home for the holidays. 
gathering of family and friends is central to almost every Christmas tradition, um, no matter what country those celebrations are happening in. So the average American travels 275 miles for Christmas. And so just think, for those of us who have to travel 11, there's a lot of people who have to travel a long way. A long way. To get that up to 275. <laughs> so, you know, for those of us who have to drive across town, and let's be thankful that, you know, we're not having to go across the country because America's a big place. And throughout the centuries, various political and religious leaders abandoned Christmas, and not that it's worked. Um, since 1600, Puritans were forbidden to celebrate. You know, the holidays always revived. Mm -hmm. The multicultural Christmas we celebrate is very different than what was done centuries ago, um, which of course it is, especially since America has, lead, has led the charge in this amalgamation that is an American culture, you know. It's not going to be what it was uh, in people's home countries because we have hundreds of home countries, hundreds of home cultures, and those all mix. Yeah. And so, of course, you're going to come up with something genuinely unique. And for instance, um, when we share our cultures, for instance, Christmas trees became popular after Germany's Prince Albert married Queen Victoria and introduced the Christmas tree tradition to England. Yeah. An American newspaper carried a picture of their Christmas tree and then everybody wanted a Christmas tree. So, go figure. Many cultures, many celebrate religious ceremonies other than Mass. We have the Advent, um, Epiphany, celebrated 12 days after Christmas on January 6th to remember the wise men. In some countries, gifts are given on, on Epiphany Day. I guess is what they would maybe call it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Las Posadas is primarily celebrated in Latin America, although it's gaining popularity in other places as, you know, culture spreads. The 400-year-old tradition consists of nine days of candlelit parades of families and friends depicting Joseph and Mary seeking a place at the inn. The group travels to different houses each night, singing a plea to let Mary and Joseph in. Once the couple is accepted, the group prays and shares traditional food such as tamales. And then the last evening is a big party, pinatas, fireworks, the whole kid and the caboodle. What a lovely tradition. Yeah, but you have to have big family. Of course, you're talking Latin America, big family relatively close in order to go to do that because you can't just go knock on some stranger's door. Hey, let us in and have. <laughs> Why not? We do that on Halloween. Yeah, we, we on Halloween, people come knock on the door, give us candy, and they go away. They don't come in for dinner. <laughs> 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 I'm just saying, you're not going to go to a stranger's house to do that. You're going to go to a friend's or family's house. It's a production on the outside and scene. You know, it's kind of like putting up big Christmas lights type thing. You know, so you're only going to go to people who participate. But it's it's a lovely thing. I don't I don't want anybody to get me wrong. It's just you know, you're not going up to a neighbor's house doing it. You're going to someone who knows you're coming. Someone who's going to show up to your house two days later. Right on day four or whatever. <laughs> Where's my tamale? <laughs> that's, that's what happens, right? That's how these things work. Um, so, all right. Most countries have legendary gift give givers, which we talked a little bit about earlier. Uh, you got St. Nicholas, La Bafana. And so, 
All right. So a tracking Santa. Yeah, you could NORAD. Yep. And that starting at 12 of 1 a.m. on December 24th, you can watch Santa make preparations for his flight. And the Santa Cam stream videos on the website as he makes his way over the globe. I probably should have figured out where that whole thing started. I mean, I know it's, there's the big story of how it started, but you don't continue that kind of a thing for this many years. This has been for 60 years. I know, but unless it's like for military families. Is that you think mostly military families are the ones who actually well, call? Well, it started by, if my memory serves, um, it started by a phone call by a little girl and... Um, an officer answered the phone, and I forget what her question was. And I am going to do research for this, and I am going to have the answer on our next show. No, I'm just curious about why it's continued for so long. You know, I mean, does it mostly serve military families? Which I'm fine with. If you're gonna, you know, but my guess is the people who call are mostly military families, especially in the modern modern world. Yeah, the military families calling. I don't think. Somehow, I don't think there's many people in downtown L.A. calling NORAD to talk to the operator. I don't call, but I check NORAD every year. <laughs> yes, guess what? You're military, young sunshine there over there. <laughs> Ex-military. Well, th- th- like I'm saying. <laughs> I want to know. Location, location, location. Where's my present? Your presence under the tree already. What are you talking about? I know, and it's huge, and it's killing me. What the heck is it? That is not huge, by the way. It's it's, it's relatively big, but it's not huge. It's huge for me, man. Okay, it's not the size of a ring box, so I know, you know, it's not a pair of earrings, so, you know. Could be. Just could be a lot filled with paper, except it's way too heavy for that. You put rocks in it. I'm way too lazy for that. (laughs) (laughs) I have to carry that thing. All right. So we got a few minutes left. We're going to run through some tips for, uh, for that Christmas dinner. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Make canapes instead of starters. Yeah. Put out trays with little things to nosh on. Do not waste the cutlery and plates and all this stuff on a sit down a starter. Yeah. Well, my suggestion is to, unless you really have a tradition of a real formal dinner to deformalize your Christmas tradition, your Christmas dinner, you know, Hey, if you've got a family tradition of having a real formal dinner, that's one thing, continue it. But if not, you know, you can make your own informal Christmas dinners. So one of those things you can do, make a head gravy. And there's a number of ways you can do that. If you want to make real gravy, or you can just be like me and get one out the can or the or the package and make gravy. Or you can save your chicken gravy from after roasting. You roast a couple chickens, you know, in November, December, and save the chicken broth. Freeze it. That's too much planning for people like me. So, you know what? Just make the gravy ahead of time, but go ahead, use the packaged gravy or, or whatever, the canned gravy, and no one knows if it's already in because they're not going to know. I can tell the difference. Mm-hmm. Throw a little spices in there. No one will know. I'm just saying. Make your roast potatoes ahead. Uh, roast potatoes? Who has roast potatoes? Mashed potatoes. Well, the same thing. So make your potatoes ahead of schedule is what they're telling you. Make your potatoes the day before. 
and then reheat them. Which is, you know, it's a reasonable thing. Potatoes, roast potatoes. Oh, here we go. Make ahead mashed potatoes. Yeah. I mean, roast potatoes. Make second, them a day before. Yeah, mashed potatoes are fine. I'm not sure about rice po- reheated roast potatoes. That would, they would be soggy. Not necessarily, but I'm just not sure about it. Okay. Keep your turkey simple. Don't do any stuffing and whatnots. Put the do the stuffing outside. Yeah, just just make no it basting. Simple. I don't know about that, man. Just keep it simple. Let's keep your turkey cooking as simple as possible. You're less likely to mess it up. And the thing about stuffing your turkey with stuffing is it cooks longer and more uneven. So there's also that. Um, wrap the pigs in a blanket, or just don't do pigs in a blanket. There's Easy one for that one. Buy ready prepped vegetables. That's a good lazy man solution. There Already there. peeled and trimmed. Yeah. 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 Spend the extra $3 if you, if you can. Make a punch bowl. Maybe. Set the table ahead of time. And find in a dessert that you can make ahead of time. There we go. They actually have an example, but my suggestion is to just without find taking it. up fridge space, make pies. Everybody likes pie, and even those who don't like pie won't care because they know that making pie is a time honored tradition. They're not going to ask you to do something wacky. All right, so there's all that. You can find those references, the links, and whatnot at latenightlove.us as usual. And we're going to move on to questions. And you can send your questions to love at latenightlove.us, and we will answer them on the air. But what do we have first here, my love? Well, relationships. Mm -hmm. My girlfriend cheated on me. She's 24. He's 25. Is it worth it to forgive her? Well, it depends on the structure of the relationship. But in the mid-20s, probably not. It probably means she's not mature enough and ready to settle down be my wild guess but that is a wild guess but those are very personal discussions and decisions and it's a long difficult road back it's not just forgiving her you know you have to figure out all kinds of things so the short answer is it's a long difficult road and you have to make sure that uh, your future vision together are you know the same or at least similar enough that can be negotiated and i somehow doubt that Mm. yeah all right that 25 you know it's one thing if someone's going through a midlife crisis and has a moment of weakness or something you know okay you can probably work through that a little easier people who are 25 and just did it because they were out having a night of fun and weren't thinking you know She's just not ready. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, you know, they're just not ready. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be my guess. But sitting out here with no more information, we can't tell. But my guess is, you know, you wrote the, you don't want to forgive her. You just don't want to be lonely. And being lonely sucks, but it's better than being afraid. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. What's next? Am I, 34 male, being oversensitive or being an a-hole about my wife's 34 female, sudden increase in closeness, sex drive? 
Okay, he begged for years. Uh huh. For for uh huh. More. And she finally gets a, And he gave up. And, and then she finally gets a hormone shift or is feeling yeah. better psychologically. She, well, she's 34. She's hitting her sexual peak. Yeah. And it could be a number. It could actually be a number of things, right? The, she could be in a better psychological place. There's, you know, they could be in a better financial place. Yeah, well, place. now he's pissed. <laughs> is he being, he's, you know. No, it's a, actually, it's a quite human response. But let it go. You can't dwell over the past over these things. Just, you know, have enjoy the time you've got now. I get feeling frustrated with it. I've asked for years now, all of a sudden, after I've kind of given up, accepted life, like this is how life is going to be. And now, I, for no seemable reason that he can understand, it, it makes sense to be to have emotions surrounding that. It's perfectly fine. You know, the emotions are perfectly fine. But how do you deal with those emotions? Don't hold on to them. Just experience them and move on. And, you know, be happy that there's a change. Yeah, I get it. I I get the frustration that he's feeling. But, yeah, just enjoy the change because it'll change again in six years. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there we go. All right. So what's next? How do I, 37 female, tell my boyfriend, 31 male, of six years, I don't want him to have a key to my new house yet? Well, if you, that's what you're going to tell him, there's no other way than just to tell him. She kind of, she just wants to have a little bit of time where it's just hers, you know? Well, yes, I get it, but this is going to be hurtful. Just swap spots. If he got a new house and she's got a key and he says, I, you know, I don't want to give you my key yet. She's going to question the seriousness of the relationship. Is she not? Of course she would. Anybody would. It may not have anything to do with it, but the person's going to think so. Now, as a relationship, I, for me, that would tell me something about myself that this isn't a serious long-term relationship. You're not ready to commit to give him a key that he already has to your new place. It means fundamentally you're telling yourself that you don't want him long-term. You're just not willing to listen to the old, to the, to the signals your brain is telling you. Brain is telling her what she wants to do about this relationship. She wants it to end. She's just not listening. Uh. If this was a solid long-term relationship, it wouldn't be a question. He already has a key to her current house, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's just moving. If it's a functional long-term relationship, right? It's just a change of address. There's nothing changing. This desire for her to be by herself and have it be hers for a while is a desire for her to be by herself and be alone for a while. She just doesn't want to be alone while she's doing it. That's fine, but, you know, think of the other person. And if that's what you're going to do, then end the relationship and be responsible. Take the break. You know, let him know where he really stands. Because right now you're not being honest with yourself, and you can't be honest with him if you're not honest with yourself. So there's that. All right, what's next? 
How do I, 34 male, convince my wife, 44 female, that she didn't fail me? Um, she can't conceive. Uh, she's not worried about failing you. Her emotions are she feels like a failure to herself. And she's using him as a place to hang that. She's not using him as a, as a blame. She's using him as a way to understand that, right? As a way to express it. Mm. She really feels like she's failing herself. She's failed as a woman. Uh, all those kinds of perfectly natural human responses, and there's not a damn thing he can do about it. She's going to have to work through this with a professional. So all you can do is love her. That's all you can do. That's it. The more you try to convince her, you know, it's thou protest too much type thing. So all you can do is continue to love her, continue to accept her. She goes through a really difficult period and be supportive as she, you know, tries to find a professional to work through these emotions. And then, you know, talk about adoption once she gets past that emotional hump. Don't talk about it too quickly. You make, you know, overly emotional decisions. But take some time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so what's next? Parenting. Oh, yay. All right, no parenting. They're easier questions than relationship questions, so let's go for it. <laughs> I, right. I let my 14-year-old shop in the mall with my 8-year-old tonight. Am I a bad parent? Well, not when we grew up. That <laughs> was perfectly fine. I mean, some people today might have an issue with that, but not here. I think if your 14-year-old is a responsible 14-year-old, is shown you have the knowledge that they're perfectly capable of being responsible human beings in a shopping mall for a couple hours while they go shop for Christmas presents or whatever. It's perfectly fine. I think we need to have more kids doing that. Of course, the point is you have to make sure your kids are responsible when you go send them off to do that. Because in many places, the children aren't responsible and the parents will go send them off anyway. But you made a rational choice. That, no, I think my 14-year-old is responsible enough to keep an eye on my 8-year-old while they go through Walmart or whatever and to get Christmas presents, which is what I'm assuming happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. perfectly fine. For me, it is anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you didn't just you didn't send them off to go just kind of wander lost into the <laughs> out to the fields. You sent them off to mall. <laughs> I'll be back at two. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's fine. You know, well, you didn't set them set them off. You know, into the woods or something. And they probably have know. cell phones and everything. Remember, back in our days, we went to the mall. We had to call our parents up, collect. And say we're On done. Cell phone, you yeah, know. Yeah, we had a collect call for mom. Collect call for from from we're done. And, you know, <laughs> and mom would come pick you up, right? That's what would happen. <laughs> no one was paying for that collect call. <laughs> you actually have to talk to them and stuff. You can track their phone. You know, you have to talk kinds of things. But I understand. There's so many. Uh, um, teenagers can get in so much trouble these days. There's so many stories about it. But those are teenagers who parents don't think about things. You clearly thought about this. 
so you, they're likely fine. <laughs> yeah, uh, a parent who who shouldn't let their child run off wouldn't think to write on Reddit and ask, "Am I doing the right thing?" And would never con- conceive of them to ask the question. Yeah, yeah. So you're fine. Yeah. Okay. I asked my five year old what she wants for Christmas. She said she wants to fly. I need help. Well, you could tell her, you know, Santa doesn't put that in. You can't put that in his bag. You know. Yeah, you you can tell them this thing's called reality and truth, right? You can still have the magic of Santa Claus and Christmas without, you know, having to send these things. No, we can't make you fly. You can't buy wings and install them. I can buy you a plane ticket. You want to go somewhere? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. She's a little older. You can buy her a drum. You can fly. <laughs> you can teach her to fly that way. I suppose you probably have a drone for some type of thing for five, six-year-olds. She's flying. Just not the way she was thinking. That's pretty ingenious, actually. Get her a drone. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they have a drone for five or six years old, even though I bought my granddaughter a drone that's far out of her age range. So she, all right, she's already playing video games with things, and it's just a game controller. She'll be fine. All right, what's next? Okay, kids lied and blamed it on Elf on the Shelf. Okay. Now, this parent has no idea what to do. The kids <laughs> wanted Elf on the Shelf, so they wanted to create some childhood memories. Uh-huh. So they got Elf on the Shelf, uh-huh. and they set it up and everything. Uh-huh. Well, the next morning, the the five-year-old and the seven-year-old uh-huh. uh, got up, and they ate all the chocolate in the advent calendar. <laughs> And they and then and then when the parents got up, you know what the heck happened here? What do? Why did you do this? Oh no, we didn't do it. The elf on the shelf did it. Yeah. So what's the problem? So she wants to know: should she continue with Elf on the Shelf, or should she abandon it this the, the year? The problem here isn't with Elf on the Shelf. The problem is here: you let your children lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> He let them get away with it. The answer is Elf on the Shelf. No, he did not. <laughs> is the answer to the question. <laughs> Elf on the Shelf cannot eat all those candies. <laughs> you did. Off to your room or whatever punishment you feel is appropriate for the thing. You just don't accept. Let, you don't punish the Elf on the Shelf. You punish the children for their behavior. Just as you would if there was no elf on the shelf. In fact, you probably get them in more trouble for lying to you. That's how I always dealt with it. Once you're caught, you, you better fess up because you lying to me about it is going to be far more trouble than I would have gotten. You were just going to get a lecture. Now you're going to get in trouble. <laughs> right? Now there's going to be actual consequences. I've heard about your hour-long lectures. Yeah, only when they earned them. So... <laughs> Yeah. If I want, if I wanted to punish my kids, I'd give them a history lecture. Essentially, I'd teach them history for an hour. Y'all know about history, so they were in trouble a lot. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's next? Okay, gentle parents, what do you do when your kids just don't listen? You're going to do a lot of repetition, hon. Yeah. And it requires patience. 
Yeah. There's, if you're going to go that path, you just have to stick to it. And, you know, my solution to those kind of things were history lectures. So there you go. There's mine, history lectures. Yeah. 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 There you go. Okay. All right. More questions. Would it be too immoral to quit a job after only a month? No. They're, if the job isn't working for you, you're doing both of you a service. Both you and the employer. So, no. Things happen. You know, not every job works out. So, the answer is no. It's not immoral. Okay. That's Could nice. I show, should I tell my boss I'm going back to school? Do you need time accommodations or do they maybe they have an education program where they do some kind of matching funds or something? You don't have to tell them. There's no requirement to tell them, but, you know, you could. Maybe they can adjust your schedule. So you, if you need it, some schedule adjustments. You know, I have found that good bosses, good places to work for, encourage your education, even if it just means, you know, adjusting your schedule a little bit or just being supportive. Even if they don't have a program that helps pay for things, you know, they can, they can often be supportive. So, you know, now if you're at a place that's not quite so high quality of a job and, you know, the thing is to keep your head down and stay out of way until you and stay out of notice, then keep your head down and stay out of notice. But my suggestion is, unless there's some reason not to, you don't have to necessarily bring it up, but you know, I wouldn't avoid it. But also check your your thing and see if there's some kind of educational uh, component to your, you know, maybe they're willing to pay for some of it. Maybe they're willing to adjust your time so you can make scheduling classes easier. So, okay. Okay. What's the worst mistake you've made in your career? Well, worst mistake I've made? I don't know. I was technically responsible for having, I don't know, six pumps destroyed in a silver mine. These are $10,000 pumps. And that's not even the expensive part of the, of the problem. It's the mine being down for the three weeks to get the new pumps and installed. <laughs> and it wasn't technically my fault. I'm just responsible for it. Lots of people didn't do their job properly that day on both sides of the equation. But I'm the one who signed the QA paper. So it was, we did all our jobs technically, but it's just the conditions of the day. I mean, it was hot and a little muggy and so contamination stayed in the pipe when we cleaned it out and so it did not get fully clean now if at the mine they had done their job and cleaned it out like they're supposed to they could have gotten the rest of it and it wouldn't happen they didn't clean it out at all they stuck it on the pipe and a bunch of dirt and contamination got into a pump and all six pumps got. that's horrifying yeah now no one died Solar mine went down for a little while. Uh, as long as no one was hurt. No one was hurt. Solar mine went down for a little while. Mm. You know, and quite frankly, usually what happens when these kind of things happen, they take the opportunity to do maintenance on other parts of the mine and stuff that's it's hard to do when things are running. And so it's oftentimes these kind of downtimes are actually good in the long run because you get to do a lot of difficult to do maintenance. So, you know, silver linings and all that. No one got fired, <laughs> so it was all good. 
insurance and all that took care of most of everything. But it's part of doing business. Okay, what's next? How should one feel about their company not trusting its employees? That depends on kind of what it is and where you're at. And there's details that need to be had. Because quite frankly, sometimes employees necessarily aren't to be trusted. I've worked in warehouses that dealt with a lot of uh, small, expensive parts. And, you know, easy to walk off and sell these things on eBay or whatever and make lots of money. And so they had, you know, theft protection processes in place. I didn't necessarily mind. It was annoying getting out of work because you'd have to go wait in line. But it only took a couple minutes. It was just annoying. But, you know, you could understand it if... You know, if everybody was trustworthy, then <laughs> it'd be fine. So now if you've been proven trustworthy over the course of time and you still get treated like you're not, that's another thing. But if you're just being treated like everybody else and it's because, quite frankly, there's been a, usually they only happen because there's a high tendency of theft for a while. And so rather than pick on one person, you just stick in policies that make everybody have to go through metal detectors or something. Yeah. Like, you know, if you work at a casino, I know this, you can't bring like no pockets. You're not allowed to have pockets. If you're like a dealer or, or a cashier at a casino, you're not allowed to have pants with pockets. Well, that, that's awful. <laughs> well, it's easy for people to put $100 bills in their pocket. So... You know, mm. so it depends on circumstances. Is how does how you should feel? How's that? It's not all of these circumstances are uh, created equal. Okay, what's next? Well, we have six questions. Okay, my twenty-three female wife is allowed to masturbate but gets mad when I do it. He's 23 also. She's a little old for this. 23? Well, no. That's probably it's, you know, it's it's okay for me but not for the well, let's remember this is for women it feels much more emotional. It feels much more of a of a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, you all use it for, like, stress relief. Yeah, well, men and women view view masturbation differently to begin with. For men, it's just no big deal. And for women, it's it, it, there's an emotional comp- component to sex. And so for women, these, some women think that when men masturbate, they are emotionally distancing themselves from them. When really, it's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> which maybe be part of the problem also you know they're feeling it's emotional it's not about me so but yeah i don't know men and women have a different view on this so it doesn't surprise me that these kind of things happen but you know she is correct she should be applying rules should be applying to yeah everybody. yeah but they're also 23 so and there may be a frequency difference. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, 
he could be squeezing five out for every one of hers. So, you know, but not that that matters, actually. Well, he's 23. Yeah, they're both 23. This is one of those things that will settle itself out over time. It, you know, maybe the settlement is, you know, our isn't a relationship that can work because you clearly have different views on, on a relationship rules inside of a relationship. So, all right, what's next? Okay, what to do when a guy says he's coming? So she's con- she's she thinks it's bizarre. What? Well, okay, for, well, for one thing, why are they doing this? You're, I mean, I know you're coming. I know you are. Yeah. So, why are you telling me? Well, because it depends on the actions, the one how you're approaching there. Sometimes it's a warning. So you can make the decision on where you want to. Yeah. If you want to. If you're if a you're, spitter if, or a swallower. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> you can make a decision. Well, right. So you can be the warning type of thing. And there are also the times where you don't, if you are lost in passion, you don't always necessarily think about what comes out your mouth. And sometimes at those times, they're not thinking. They're just it's an emotional response, essentially. Oh. Yeah. Rather than, you know, ug and oog and yell or whatever, yeah, that's what comes out. Oh. So well, we can understand that. That's an expression. More of a than, than it's a... Yeah. It's kind of like unintelligible ramblings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's an overly long grunt. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of depends on what it is. But firstly, sex is kind of goofy if you overthink it anyway. So just don't overthink it is my suggestion. How's that? <laughs> is my real suggestion. After all that, my suggestion is don't overthink it. Okay, now why did you put this next one in here? Because. No, can we skip that one? Sure. Okay. Are there any men out there who don't masturbate to porn while in a relationship? Of course there are. She's frustrated. She everyone she comes across is masturbates to porn. Well, yeah. Maybe you should do a boudoir portrait uh, photo session and offer that up. Well, if you want to find someone who does not pleasure themselves, you're likely going to have to find someone who has that as a fundamental belief in their belief system, which means you're likely going to have to find someone who is a religious fundamentalist. So it means this woman, you're going to have to compromise. <laughs> One way or the other, you're going to have to compromise. It's just the cold, hard reality of it. It's perfectly acceptable for you to want that. But you're gonna have to understand how that limits your 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 choices. You don't get to tell other people how they get to behave. You can tell you could get to pick one or two, depending up or three, depending upon your your own personal values. But you don't get to tell them what their personal values are, right? You can say our personal values don't match. Great, everybody gets that right. But you're limiting your pool. You're severely limiting your dating pool. And so the chances of you finding, so where are you going to find people who have the similar perspective? 
Well, most of them will be religious fundamentalists of some form. Now, there's probably out there, you know, amongst the wild, some lost hippie who's <laughs> doesn't like porn <laughs> and happens to not be attached to anybody. Yeah, but, you know, good luck finding them. There's two people walking along in the desert. You're not going to bump into each other very often. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know. You're going to have to compromise somewhere is my suggestion on that one. So are there men who don't? Yes, there are. There's probably lots of them, but my guess is you. My question is, doesn't she have a fantasy life? Probably not. Oh, well, that's sad because fantasy life is fun. Well, it is for some, but I, you know, I'm not going to judge people for having one or for not. It's it's a a nice outlet, you know, because you can think about things that you would never do. Yeah, but she doesn't have that desire. It's fine. It's it's perfectly acceptable, and it's perfectly fine to acceptable to want to find someone who's who is very similar. Great, you just it's a long, difficult path, and complaining about it isn't going to make it shorter. Being happy about it and just kind of going along your way, you will attract the people who will look for you. So you're going to have to either be willing to compromise somewhere, or you're just going to have to accept that you know. This is how you you have a high you have a high standard. It's going to be difficult for people to meet, and you know you're going to be happy until you find someone that does. Okay. And the fact that you're you know if you accept your happiness until you find someone that does, you will actually become more attractive to those. You really will. For, to those people who are also looking for something similar. So that's the suggestion, and that's it for us tonight. We are out of here. We want to wish you all a merry Christmas. We will see you next week for a new year. Or our And we have questions from Reddit. Questions from Reddit for New Year. All right. It's, we're on New Year's Eve. No, not New Year's Eve. We're on on the 30th. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. Our, it's our New Year's show. It's yeah, it's our New Year's show, but we're going to have questions from Reddit. So it's it's a question time, which is good because we're probably going to go to mostly questions from Reddit for 2024. So I think okay. I think it's probably where we're going to go because we have to start making segments and things so we can do other things with our content. So anyway, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for joining with us. Please remember to love everybody and oh wait, I'm clicking wrong buttons and have a good night. Good night.